Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. More than a year ago, Rohingya refugees fled orchestrated persecution by the Myanmar military. We talked about that story on Open House. We've talked about it a few times. About the landmines planted along the border as they rushed to the relative safety of Bangladesh. About the attacks on women, children and men. Do you remember Tim Costello, Ambassador-at-Large for World Vision Australia, describing the camp at Cox's Bazaar, where they fled to, as like entering the gates of hell? Bangladesh has now decided to repatriate some of the Rohingya refugees back to Myanmar. On Thursday last week, they had buses lined up to take the refugees back over the border. That sounds like a good thing, right? Well, it's not a good thing. In fact, Al Jazeera recently reported that when an official came to the hut of one man, uh, a man they called Abdul, in Cox's Bazaar, and said his family was being repatriated, he was astonished. We were in shock, he said. I couldn't say anything. My mouth just stopped working. That's what Abdul said to Al Jazeera. Well, World Vision Australia's policy advisor on conflict and displacement who's been working in Cox's Bazaar, is Kayleen Briggs. So the governments of Myanmar and Bangladesh announced that they were going to start an initial phase of repatriation of Rohingya refugees back to Myanmar. Um, it would be the first wave of potentially many more to come. And at this stage, the, the planned movement has been met with very sharp concerns from the UN, from NGOs and from the refugees themselves. Uh, who all say that conditions in, in Myanmar are not yet safe enough for them to be able to return. And that's the paradox of this, isn't it? Because we've all been saying, oh, it's terrible that they've been driven out. But now people are saying, but wait, it's not safe to go back. Absolutely. And to return people to a place that they that they fled after experiencing and witnessing horrific violence, hmm. sending them back before they feel it's safe is just further compounding the stress and the trauma of the experiences that they've already been through. Now, why, how do we know, empirically, how do we know that it's not safe? Well, from the limited information we do have about what's going on in Rakhine State right now, uh, we know that refugees who are newly coming out of that area are telling us that there's still very limited freedom of movement, that people still don't feel safe even within their communities, and that there's still no guarantee of those basic rights or citizenship that the Rohingya have always called for. Um, and that's consistently been the message we've heard from refugees in the camps in Cox's Bazaar, that until those basic conditions are in place, it's not going to be safe for them to go back because they could potentially be walking into the exact same situation they fled last year. Well, meanwhile, the State Department has now released some of its findings into its own report. This was after the United Nations... Um, they actually said that the commander-in-chief and other generals from Myanmar should be tried for genocide. That's the UN. Now, Nikki Haley, addressing the United Nations on behalf of the United States, said that they weren't yet, they weren't yet at the genocide word themselves, but they said a thousand randomly selected Rohingya Muslims surveyed, fully one-fifth had witnessed more than 100 victims being killed or injured. This is Nikki Haley, the US State Department, saying this. 82% of people had seen a killing. More than half had witnessed sexual violence. 45% had witnessed a rape. And then she goes on to say, the, the whole world is watching what we do next, uh, and if we'll act. She said that to the Security Council. So words like genocide are not thrown around lightly at the United Nations, are they? No, not a word that's used lightly at all. And I think that is consistent with 
what we've been hearing from children and families uh, that we work with in the camp. So World Vision runs child-friendly spaces, and we engage very closely with these families, some of whom are on the repatriation list. And what they told us is the, the violence they experienced and the human rights violations were beyond anything imaginable. And I think this statement from the U.S. Uh, combined with what we've already heard from the investigations from the United Nations uh, just reinforces the fact that uh, this is not a country that's safe for returnees at this point in time. Kaylin Briggs is with us. She is the Senior Policy Advisor for World Vision in Conflict and Displacement. Now, you've been to Cox's Bazaar. What's it like? It's a challenging place. Conditions in the camp are extremely difficult. Um, monsoons and cyclones regularly pass through that part of the country, and people are living on steep hillsides in shelters that are made of tarps and bamboo. Um, and yet, despite those incredibly difficult conditions, the refugees are still telling us that they would rather stay in the camp than be forced to return to Myanmar. Wow. Now, you said something interesting that um, sparked my attention. You said that there was a repatriation list. Now, how is such a list arrived at? That's a very good question. Um, and I think one of the big questions that remains for the refugees themselves and for the humanitarian community. Um, NGOs and the UN certainly were not consulted in, in compiling that list. The refugees who are on the list have said they never volunteered for this process. So all in all, I think there's a, a big lack of information and lack of clarity about where this is coming from. Um, and as of yet, we, we haven't received any clear information from either of the governments concerned about how that list was arrived at. So the suggestion here is that there's some sort of payback. The list is not, not accidental. Uh, we, we just don't know. Well, that really would be speculation, I suppose. To. But given yeah. given what's happened, you do wonder, don't you? Potentially. And we know that it is a very politicised environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But normally in these types of situations, what we always call for is for repatriations or any major population movements to be voluntary, informed, safe and dignified. So the fact that the people on this list are saying they don't want to go is already a very clear indication that this, this process is not following the usual international protocols that would be expected of these types of movements. And those protocols were voluntary? What was the second word? Uh, voluntary, informed. Informed, safe and dignified. Well, it's, it's not those things. Well, we were, speaking, we were speaking with someone from uh, the church, actually, in, um, in Myanmar, who was kind of saying, well, we do have to acknowledge that or it should be acknowledged that the Rohingya themselves uh, have often acted violently towards, towards others. What does World Vision say about that one? Well, World Vision as a humanitarian organization doesn't take sides in the conflict yeah. and we don't investigate human rights violations or make determinations of who is at fault. Um, what we do is we work with people on all sides of the conflict. We're working with Rohingya both inside and outside of Myanmar. We're also working with host communities um, in the areas affected within Myanmar. So uh, we don't make any any determination of, of who is at fault. Um, and really what we're trying to deal with is is the negative impact and the fallout from this violence. Yes, indeed. Well, Kaylin, finally, probably the eyes of the world um, are your best weapon in, in many ways, but I, I'm just a little bit surprised that, well, is it just that everyone was caught a bit by surprise that a repatriation had begun? Because I've not seen a lot of reporting of it. It's been, uh, there's been a lot of uh, 
sort of different starts and stops with this process. For a while, we were talking mm. about a potential relocation to an island. That's now kind of fallen by the wayside, and now we're talking about a repatriation. Mm. So I think in general, the fact that we haven't been talking about this is partly symptomatic of just the lack of information in general that's surrounding the future of this refugee population and, and what's going to happen with them. Well, I and I guess really- implicitly my question then is really another question, which is, or observation, I think. I sure hope the world hasn't just forgotten about these people. I certainly hope so too. And I think the Australian government has a really important role to play as a leader in this region in stepping up and engaging with the governments of Bangladesh and Myanmar Mm. and making very clear that a forced return, a forced repatriation is unacceptable and it violates every right we know exists for refugees in this type of situation. So I, I think now is really the moment where we need the Australian government to be stepping up and the world at large to be saying we care about these people mm. and we need to make sure that their rights are respected. And can people find out more on the World Vision website? Absolutely. That sounds like a good thing to do. Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a terrible story, isn't it? Just an ongoing disaster for those poor people. Kaylin Briggs of World Vision Australia and it's worldvision.org.au. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.